0: This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free.
1: Yesterday's concert is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Before we get started, the subject matter we're discussing today, albeit important to address, it can be difficult. If anyone listening can be triggered by harassment or sexual violence, please use caution before listening to this episode.
0: I would say I've seen probably 5-600 shows in general concerts, but looking back on my experiences, I started to feel like shows were more uncomfortable. Than the idea where I was looking forward to it, it changed for me. I felt anxious in the anticipation, wasn't excitement. And I started to kind of look deeper into why I wasn't feeling the same way. And my passion had changed. And the result of that reflection was that there was a lot of groping, um, grinding, unwanted touching. Is a nice way to put it, you know, and everybody responds to trauma differently and everybody's definition of what is bad, you know, that's different for everybody. But for me, it was happening frequently, everything from like comments to just like the groping, which I got to a point that I didn't want to see shows anymore.
1: Welcome to Yesterday's Concert, a podcast that celebrates live music. My name is Lance Ingram, and in this episode, we talk to Ashley Driscoll, founder of GrooveSafe. Ashley shares her personal story and her organization's mission to stop harassment and sexual assault in live entertainment. Grab your earplugs as we build better fan experiences for all. So I'm here with Ashley Driscoll, the founder of GrooveSafe. Ashley, how are you today?
0: hi i'm awesome thanks for having me How are you doing
1: it's a beautiful day in memphis right now and we haven't had many of those so i'm kind of loving it so it's kind of great so that's a that's a good thing you're lucky
0: it's snowing in boston but that's okay welcome a little bit of winter finally
1: well as we were talking about earlier if we had a little bit of snow in memphis we would effectively shut down and the whole city would crumble so really not ready for that to happen it's kind of nice to have power uh, and water and all that good stuff. So no, uh, no Texas fall apart.
0: Well, <laughs> a little, little different there than it is in New England, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 Y'all, uh, y'all got it right. But well, so, uh, I want to, I want to get into knowing you. I want to get, get to have, have a little fun before we get into this sobering conversation that we're likely going to have today. So I know you're a live music fanatic. You, you have a passion for this. And so I want to kind of get to know you and your fandom. So first question, what was your first concert?
0: My first concert. Okay. I think the first concert that I chose to go to, I feel like this is pretty wild. It was one of those radio kind of pop radio concerts. I think it was Jam 94.5, which in Boston was like a kind of pop R&B sort of station. They did a, it was at the garden in Boston. I feel like someone like Keith Sweat and like, (laughs) you know, it was probably 1997, so I might have been in seventh grade and like a couple of friends and I went, I think there might've been a parent chaperone and a kid we knew at the time, his dad worked at John Hancock. So they had a, a suite. So, you know, us cool girls got invited. Well, I was not a cool <laughs> girl. Let me just say that. But I thought it was super cool to get invited into this suite for a little while. And it was a radio concert and it was a disaster. But when you're 12,
1: <laughs> I think yes. that's
0: pretty cool. And then shortly after I went to... um New Edition in Worcester. Those were my first experiences in like concerts on my own. And they were like pop and hip hop. And like that isn't really (laughs) where I am these days. But I think that's my first actual concert memory.
1: That's fantastic. I wasn't expecting that. And I absolutely adore that I was Keith Sweat. That's such a that's a throwback if I've ever heard one. So Someday I'll look
0: into it to show you that lineup is like LaBouche and it was like whatever radio hits were like fall 97 in Boston. I feel like was possibly. Yeah. Well, well I'll follow up with you. because It's probably gonna be pretty yeah. funny. Well, who else was there? I, don't I even can't wait to honestly. see this
1: lineup. It's going to be the next oh. when We were young festival. It's going to be, it's going to be headlining by Keith sweat and, Oh gosh. So so taking it to some good music now, what was your favorite concert that you've seen? What's one that really ranks up there for you?
0: I think that many people who were there will say the same thing, but the dead 50 shows in Chicago, um, Mm -hmm. when Trina played with the remaining members of the dead was one of the most exciting, special, I think experiences I've had in concert history for me. Um, I actually did the Griffitha tickets by mail where you draw on the envelope and send it in. And I scored two pit tickets each night to the Dead 50 show at Soldier Field. And I was really excited for that. You know, got the special tickets. And I'm pretty sure the art itself was up on like maybe separate music on a screen or I can't remember exactly. But that was a really cool experience kind of combining the Grateful Dead, who I've always, always, since I was right after the, that pop <laughs> pop phase of mine, I was introduced to Dylan and the Dead when I was around 16. And that changed kind of my whole music palette. Mm-hmm. That yep. that kind of was a really special experience for me. Um, sure. and, and then obviously later on, when I was 16, 17 years old, I started to learn more about fish. So having that kind mm. kind of combination was really, really, really cool for me.
1: That's awesome. So, what artists have you seen the most?
0: I've seen just under 200 fish shows.
1: Fantastic. Um, When was your first fish show?
0: Oh, what a story. Tell me the story. Tell me this. I could talk all day about this. My very first fish show is a memory that most people don't like. It was Coventry in 2004. (laughs) August 2004 was Fish's Goodbye Shows, the end of the 2.0 era, which People probably know exactly what I'm talking about, but if you don't, Fish was um, about to go on hiatus, and it is known to be one of the worst disasters in fish history, but it was my first show. I was 21 years old. Um, My friend from Virginia, actually, uh, overnighted me. Three festival passes for free. So Miracled, my first show, and I got to miracle two other people. I walked into a friend's house on Cape Cod with tickets in the air and said, who wants to go to fish? Because I was on the Cape um, in Massachusetts, and it was in Vermont. So, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe three hours tops. And my friend Oliver jumped up and said, me, let's go. Josh has a car and a tent. And I said, okay, let's go. So we went up that day. And like I said, I was 21. I was like, ooh, that looks fun. That looks fun. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. <laughs> do that Ooh, this is good i didn't know until much later that it wasn't a good experience for everybody i did know there was crying and there was problems in the i it was my first festival it was my first fish show um and i didn't have to walk at all i got a we i had looked at the map ahead of time because that's the kind of person i am and i was like oh you take the exit take the exit and he was like no dude we have to go i'm like take this exit turns out we avoided the traffic parked at a farm and got a ride in the back of a pickup wow. truck you know, I threw the, the tent on one shoulder and the yeah. my backpack on the other and wrote down the address where the car was. And we got in a literal pickup truck. It was pretty heady.
1: <laughs> Whoa, what a story. So when you saw Fish in 3.0, did it just did you like, oh, yeah, that was a really bad show. Like, were you able to kind of get a better picture of Fish and their live performance?
0: I think so. My first show back was Fenway 09, which was just a, a couple months after. The return. Um, So I'd waited five years to kind of have that experience again. And it was at Fenway Park. I was on the field. I'm from Boston. I was really super special too. And I had called Ticketmaster and they're like, no, we're sold out. I'm like, please just try again. I was on the phone at work and she's like, you know what? I just got four tickets on the field. Do you want them? And I said, yes, I want them. Yes, (laughs) I absolutely want them. And so seeing the band again was super Mm -hmm. awesome. Um, I don't because I was still learning, too, I didn't really know how bad <laughs> any of Coventry was. So I guess it, it, I was just excited to see them again, I think. It's yep. more about what it was for me. Um, now, mm-hmm. obviously, if you listen back, there's, the <laughs> there's issues. Yeah. But I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't think of did it that way. So, I mean, when you think about the most band, this band I've seen the most, it's definitely Fish. But yeah, And then because of from GrooveSafe, I've now partnered with them. So I think that my show count jumped significantly since 2021 it was already over a hundred. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> yeah. I, um, I had, um, the different perspective, uh, working the shows and being sure, being there in a different way.
1: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that's, I mean, that's a good kind of segue into our conversation. I mean, you're clearly a live music fanatic. You love participating in live music and you've yeah. started this company about GrooveSafe. So can, can you kind of tell me the personal story of how you started GrooveSafe?
0: Our mission is to stop unwanted touching and sexual assault and harassment in live music settings and live entertainment spaces. I mean, obviously, it's very emotional. It started for me being, I would say I've seen probably five, six hundred shows in general concerts by now. I think I did, wrote it out once and it's over, you know, 50 artists or something more than that actually right but um, from festivals and everything but looking back on my experiences I started to feel like shows were more uncomfortable than the idea where I was looking forward to it it changed for me I felt anxious in the anticipation wasn't excitement I think is what I'm trying to say anymore and I started to kind of look deeper into why I wasn't feeling the same way and my passion had changed. And the result of that reflection was that there was a lot of groping, grinding, unwanted touching is a nice way to put it. But the spectrum for me personally of the kind of unwanted advances is vast, you know, and everybody responds to trauma differently and everybody's definition of what is bad you know, that's different for everybody. But for me, it was happening frequently. Everything from like verbal comments to the groping, which as we talk, we can talk more about specifically um kind of what did happen and what has happened. But I got to a point that I didn't want to see shows anymore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that was fair. Um, I blamed myself a lot. Like, it's really fun to dress up and like look really cute or like, you know, kind of push the limits and stuff like that. And so... It took me a while to sort of put it into perspective that it was not my fault and like that seeing shows should be fun and I shouldn't have to be constantly looking over my shoulder or feeling tense. That's what it really was, is I felt like my shoulders were like in my ears during the concert, which you're supposed to relax. The the intention of doing something you enjoy is to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So that's where it started to shift, I guess. Basically, like I I said, all right, I shouldn't have to stop seeing music. So let's try to talk about it. So I went to online forums. I went to peers and friends and people in the fish community. And it turns out that, which I I guess I figured, it wasn't only me who was having these experiences, but it was really hard for people to talk about it and didn't know how to talk about it. So sort of how Safe was born is a grassroots kind of movement Where we just started to talk about it. And my whole goal, obviously, is be great to completely stop that harassment and build culture and shift everybody's experience to be more positive, um, try to change those behaviors. But it's going to take a long time. But I think giving people a voice and the biggest thing is how hard it is to talk about, Um, even still with me now, like you can hear it in my voice, it kind of. It makes me a little nervous um, because it's a big deal um, and it can it causes a lot of trouble and pain for people. But it's also can be intimidating because for me, because you never know the response you're going to get from this kind of a conversation. Because typically, historically, it's just been, you know, hushed or brushed under the rug or like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, people have told me at tables at the concerts that I have partnerships with the band and the venue. Oh, this doesn't happen here. So it, it's kind yeah. of it, it it is difficult, but I decided, you know, 2017 is when I launched to just go to go for it.
1: I, I appreciate you sharing your story like that. That that's disheartening to hear. Do you remember the first time that you were conscious of this unwanted touching or comments or any where how young were you when this happened, when this started?
0: I mean, I definitely was trying to think about the the middle time. So I don't remember the first time, I mean, in my life. You mm-hmm. can't remember that. I don't think sure. some people might. But I would say that you 100% know somebody who's experienced thing that has been, I mean, obviously disrespectful, but something that has has stopped them in their tracks um, when it comes to harassment or this kind of unwanted touching either at a show or in their life. So unfortunately it's it's a prevalent behavior issue. But mm-hmm. um for me I can I can speak more on the one that kind of changed or like motivated me to push forward with the movement more than the first time because I can't really remember that.
1: Do you mind sharing that story?
0: Uh no, yeah, I can. This is the one that kind of is yeah, I tell um more than others because there's a lot, but some aren't that easy. Um I was at a concert. It was it was Fish, but you know, we fast forward to working with them. So obviously, the artists mm-hmm. can have an influence, but it's never anybody's fault. But it was at Northerly Island in Chicago. I was on the floor, and I was dancing. And this can lead into more conversations too, because I was with my partner at the time. You know, a guy boyfriend right next to me, and I was just dancing, and I had a skirt on probably knee length. And while I was dancing and the next thing I felt was somebody's hand up from behind underneath my skirt. And obviously I got startled and, and kind of yeah. the thing in those scenarios sometimes is that you don't know who did it. And I didn't know who did it. I knew that it had happened that they were gone because of do 360 and you look around and shocked and, and kind of speechless and whatever. And, but there was nobody there So a couple of things in that intense thought process is my boyfriend's right here. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't see it. And then also the idea that it can happen anytime, anywhere. So unexpected because a lot of the conversations I have with people is they they'll say I have a crew or I'm always with my boyfriend. He's 6X and he stands behind me or you know, I dance so hard that no one would ever approach me, but everybody has vulnerable moments um, and you don't really know what it feels like until you experience it and I never want a single person to have to experience it again. But a lot of times as people will encounter something and come back to me and be like, oh my God, I had no clue how bad it would feel. I thought I would just, you know, I just put off a vibe that I wouldn't get it or this person was with me or this or that. And that's the hardest part of the work I do is it's you don't never know when or where like there might be environments where it's more likely um, like women are more likely to be assaulted. However, it's is gender neutral. It's really important to me that people know that everybody deserves respect and this can happen to anybody by anybody in any place. But anyways, that so that moment, it was, I think, 2014. I didn't launch the brewer safe until 2017, but I started really paying closer attention to it. I went as far as wearing biker shorts under skirts no matter what at concerts. And I felt like I needed a band-aid from that. I would change sort of where I w- where I went and what I did and how I did it. I mean, and that was the most severe for me, but I get like my butt slapped. All the time. And it still happens. Again, like I said before, that the spectrum of behaviors compared to people's tolerance and how it can affect them, it changes. But for me, every single time it happens, it brings me back to all of the other times. Um, So it can be not that bad, quote. But, you know, if it's just like a weird, I don't know. There's no, there's no quality, you know, no way to say what's better than the other. But Mm -hmm. I'm at the point where I'm just almost skittish because it, it's so uncomfortable. You're just left with these feelings, and you there's nothing really to, you can do about it. You can't undo it. So, anyways, that's it's it's really hard, but that's why we. Yeah. That's why I do this is so that we can explain to people: a, we hear you, we see you; b, I, I understand, and then also try to teach people ways to kind of look out for each other, stuff mm-hmm. like that.
1: Well, you mentioned that it still happens even today. Like, do you think GrooveSafe is, because I mean, you talked about almost wanting to stop going to see live music, this thing that you treasure so much, yet it, it's mm-hmm. still happening today. Do you think GrooveSafe has kind of empowered you to feel more comfortable going back to concerts to being at them again?
0: Yeah, I do. I think that I know well, I've learned so much and I know that I've had a good impact, um, GrooveSafe's work in general, but also just the amount of conversations I've had with people that so the idea is that I want to teach people ways to safely de-escalate stuff, also that, like, you know, I can support people. Um, based on understanding exactly how it feels. I'm slowly getting more comfortable going back into the crowds, but based on the amount of stories I get constantly, it's still such a big problem. I know the work is changing things, but it's this is a human behavior that is, goes back to the beginning of time. Like It's really hard to expect it to have changed um, so quickly. But for me, mm-hmm. I do know that I get more thanks for being here instead of what are you, what, what is this and why are you here? And the shift also where people come up to me and say, I wasn't going to come today, but because my, you know, I'm alone, but knowing you guys are here, I know I'm okay. Like even if something happens or doesn't just the idea of, you motivated me to come to the show today because I was alone and I was afraid at least I know that you're here If I need a break or if I, you know, if something happens, I mean, we're not like a safe space in sense of like, if someone has an issue, please, you know, come, come to the table, but we want to make the rest of the show safe, not just to have a hiding spot. And also, if you say safe space, then you become a vulnerable target, unfortunately. So we want to do the education and be there for people. I always have an extra chair, you know, but it's not like a counseling center or anything. Um, If someone was in true crisis, we know how to handle that by getting the appropriate, you know, medical staff involved. But luckily, there hasn't been any severe crisis at tables to date. So I'm lucky for that. But the stories are lots and lots of stories happen. Like people tell me all sorts of stuff, you know, so... Maybe maybe I answered the question, but I keep trying to shift and teach people as we go because um, I know that it has had an impact and I know that people are starting to talk about it more. And I think that's the number one thing that I'm hoping is in making the conversation easier and having people bring it up amongst their friend groups and hold their friends accountable and not be afraid to have a conversation that historically is difficult, is trauma, based, but doesn't have to be a hidden, I guess, anymore. Maybe
1: in my research, as I've become aware of grief safe and your mission, it it was one of those like revelation moments of just my male privilege of like, I had no idea. I had no idea this happened at shows. I thought everybody got along, you know, there was a drunk guy every now and then that get started a fight. I had no idea this kind of just evil was happening at shows. And when I was researching this, got on Reddit and to see if People were talking about it there and there were so many other male comments that were the exact same as mine. Like I had no idea. I was so unaware that this was happening. What is your encouragement to males as far as learning more about this, being more aware of these situations?
0: Yeah. So I, it's, it's important for you to know that again, you're, as you've seen on your own, that you aren't alone in people not knowing it's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I always say like, Don't blame yourself for not knowing beforehand, but now that you know, now it's up to you to like join in or to be an ally or whatever, because how would you know if your goal is to go to the show, have a good time and treat people with respect? You don't think about people who aren't getting Mm -hmm. treated with respect or are disrespecting people. So first of all, that is the thing that I get the most as I'm doing the awareness piece is that people say, Oh, this men, a lot of men say, no, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. They want to apologize. They want to talk about, you know, their gender in this, but like, it's, it's more than that. So um, anyone listening to yourself, don't, it's okay that you didn't know. And that's, that is my goal. And my job is to spread the awareness change can only happen when people get that information. Once you know something, then that, then that's when you can help. But What we encourage, um, there's something in this kind of field called bystander intervention. And the bystander effect is that in in an environment with a lot of people, if something bad happens, uh, the more people that are there, the less likely they are to step in because they think someone else is already doing something. And so idea of bystander intervention is what we call is just like groove safety escalation skills is that instead of being a passive bystander, you become an active bystander and you learn some skills that if you see something, say something, but then it's see something, say something, but what? And that what is what we're trying to teach. There's four main skills that we show at the table that I explain to people. It's see something, say something, but what? And then that way you want to deescalate the situation and get the Person in distress out of the situation because a lot of times people will say, "Hey, you know, he's harassing you, she's harassing you, touching you. Um, Why aren't you? Why don't you stand up for yourself?" And the problem is, is that your brain it releases a chemical. You go into a fight or flight kind of reaction, and the one that people don't totally know about is called freeze, and that is when you just shut down. You can't react. You can't really say anything. You can't stick up for yourself. So it becomes now our Allies and our peers and the people around us and people like you, Lance, who say, "Wait, this is really happening. How do I help?" And what you can do is learn the skills so that you can see it, so you can step in and de-escalate. I guess one of them, um, not to ramble. I think it's probably important to try to explain one of them. The easiest one that I that we teach in Grew Safe and in, in the the field in general is interrupting the moment. So. If you see somebody who's in distress, you go to the person being harassed and ask them any question, cause any distraction, do anything that is, you know, safe and not going to ignite anything. So you can say, Hey, I, this is the, I tell everybody this. I'm going to tell you too, is it could, you could be at a fish show and they could be playing bouncing around the room. You know, the name of the song, they know the name of the song, but you still go and say, Hey man, what's the name of this song again? And if they need you, they'll engage with you. If they don't, they'll answer your question and go back to what they were doing. So the best part about this skill is you can't be wrong. If you're interrupting a moment and you end up looking like just like a weirdo that like, you know, all right, noob, it's bouncing. Okay, move <laughs> <on." You know? laughs> Like, that's fine. Um, yeah. But the idea is that you didn't assume anything. You took some action that isn't going to cause harm at all. And again, it's based on... How safe you feel in a moment because one of them is also confront. Like you can go right up to the harasser and be like, "Hey, what's going on here, man? Do you know her? Like, what's up?" But like, I'm not going to walk up to, based on what I've been through, you know, my past experiences, and being a, a shorter woman, um, I'm not going to walk up to a six foot man and be like, "Hey, buddy," it's just that isn't my style. Some women do that and they they love doing that to you know call people out. So my my point was is that you can confront. But you want to keep your safety in mind. You also want to remember that you can re-traumatize the person that's in distress and being harassed by adding more violence or by escalating it because you're trying to shift and de-escalate and bring, stop the problem, um, not create more problems. Because you probably know is, is people will say, oh, I'll just go knock his lights out. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's adding more violence. And you're now putting the victim in a second scenario so we teach these things They're, you know i have them on, they're online but there's little tips and skills that you can do if you see something And the other one is check in which you can check in with the person later it can be five minutes it can be 20 minutes It can be at the end of the show or whatever but you say hey i saw that are you okay i noticed that guy was bothering you or that person whatever um, my friends are over here no pressure but we're, you're welcome to hang with us if you're, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I'm not really good, good, with, good, good with those words. But the idea is that you can limit their long-term trauma by validating their experience. And also all these things are going to be ways for us to shift the culture. And if people start to realize that everyone's looking out for each other in the right ways, my goal is that the behaviors will lessen because either we're teaching people that didn't understand it or we're making that offender realize that it's going to be, you know, there's no tolerance for that. Now that we know about it, we're going to make sure that people realize that that's not going to be acceptable anymore.
1: No, that was really, really great. That's, I mean, cause as I was prepping up, I, I was thinking, you know, like I'm six foot at best. I, I'm not that big of a guy. And if, and if it's a six nine Arnold Schwarzenegger looking guy, that's going to be hard for me to go up and be like, Hey man, don't do that. Like I'll get beat up in a heartbeat. And you know, like you were saying, that's two confrontations now. And as well as my own personal safety, not that their safety is any less valuable, but that's really good advice just for how to de-escalate a situation by asking something as silly or inviting them. That's, that's fantastic. But my follow-up question to that is, you know, for a concert specifically, I'm looking at the stage, I'm enamored by the lights and the music. Many times, like during a a jam, I'm going to have my eyes closed. I'm going to be in the moment. How do you stay aware of these situations? How do you pay attention for this? Because there's also the balance of, I want to be there for my fellow concert goers to help them in distress, but I also paid for the concert and I'd like to see that. What's the balance and how do you do that?
0: I think that The quick idea I had is that someone is going to have their eyes open, (laughs) like, you know what I mean? So I don't ever want people to think that they are on the clock, have to be a hero, always, you know, responsible to be fixing this stuff all the time. That is, it's, it's... Not possible, and I don't want that. I don't want everyone to always be on guard. Like, that wouldn't be the solution for me. But I think the idea is if you see something, how to say something. Um, because I want everybody to close their eyes and get lost in the jam. Like, that's what I want to do. I haven't closed my eyes at a concert in years, and so I would, you know, I'd love that. I have a story. Um, again, trigger warning there was a woman who did have her eyes closed, clo- you know, swing to a ballad, uh, you know, a slow song. And she felt someone kiss her, like she, her her, eyes were closed and someone kissed her on the mouth. Like, so that's, a, I know that's like a side little, that's a little bit of a tangent. But the point is, is you don't have to have your eyes open all the time. But if you see someone that looks uncomfortable, they probably are. And then you could be motivated to act in the right way. But I don't want people to ever think that this mission means that you also can't, uh, you know, put your guard down now that you have this information. Um, so it's you can you don't need to stay present. I don't want people to have to be on, like I said, like on call all the time. Mm-hmm. So you, you release yourself of that immediately, but then also know that. You're not going to prevent everything. But if mm-hmm. somebody, you know, is in a scenario, at least we'll know how to handle it. But the goal is for everybody to be able to get lost in the music. So, I mean, hopefully that was a little bit helpful. Um, no,
1: that was really good.
0: Someone's going to see it. And especially if it's continued harassment, it won't go unnoticed if people know what to look for. I think that's mm-hmm. another piece that's important.
1: And, and I think a certain level of just practicing basic kindness the when you were telling that story the thing that came to my mind was i was at a fish concert in 2017 i think and i i was just tired it was during the second set i was tired i had i was in the lawn i'd gone and sat down on one of the steps and this lady came and sat down next to me and she put her arm on my shoulder and said are you okay are you doing all right and i, I was like yeah I'm, I'm good i'm just tired i'm taking a break and she's okay good deal If you need anything we're over here and then she went back to her seat Basic kindness goes a really long way. Like nobody should get mad at you for expressing basic kindness in any situation.
0: That's right. You no, know, she, she did what we want people to look out for each other. Cause maybe you weren't okay. And then, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you did need something or whatever, but to take that one minute to check on you. Like, that's amazing. I love mm-hmm. that. You know,
1: I, I think the overarching theme is that just be present, be there, be aware of something's happening. You can, Like you're saying, you can't stop everything. So Mm -hmm. I I think a good transition for that is, like, how have bands and artists and other concert patrons received your mission and your goals and what you've done?
0: For the most part, it is really positive feedback. Um, Like I said earlier, the subject matter can be tough, so people tend to get a little nervous or shy or uncomfortable, and, like, that makes sense. But as soon as you realize that... We're just trying to change it and make it better, not come at it aggressively um, or put any blame anywhere. Like we're trying to, I'm really just trying to teach people about it and the problem and like ways to hold people accountable. And so from a family perspective, a lot of times it's the, the reaction was like yours is, is, does this really happen? Of course, you know, and I say yes. And, you know, how can we help? Well, here you learn, you can learn active by skills. You can also hold people accountable, like even stuff all the way down to like partying, I'm not, I'm not prude. I don't, you know, it's not, I don't think shows should be sober, but yes, drugs and alcohol obviously have an impact on people's behavior, but they're not the reason. Again, what I'm saying is that the accountability piece is control your buzz, be aware that you can party, but you don't have to be obliterated, you know, be aware that, you know, you can still have a really good time, but if your really good time is now putting someone else's safety at risk, then maybe you should reevaluate your really good time. Again, that sounds like I'm blaming, but I'm not. What I'm saying is that you have a, everyone has a friend like that. And it's up to us to say like, Hey buddy, you know, maybe you don't need six shots before the show tonight. I'll take one with you and I'll buy you a beer in the venue. Like, let's just, you know, have some fun, but we don't have, this isn't like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, I can handle my buzz. Like, sure you can, but what you don't realize is that you're affecting other people. So those sorts of conversations are, you know, when you you talk about people, how people are um, receiving this, uh, it's up to me to give them ideas like that or, or ways to hold people accountable and like i said the subject matter sometimes people they know that they've made mistakes in their life they know that they've not necessarily been violent criminals you know what i mean but everybody Mm -hmm. as culture shifts and changes and we you know marginalized humans are starting to speak up a little bit more. If it, it feels like um, some people feel threatened and they don't have to, because I don't want to talk about what you did. I want to talk about how you can be a part of fixing it and whatever. So there are times where I feel a little pushback from emotionally, like from, from bands and, and things like that. And I think it's only because it's uncomfortable and people are afraid of what other people are going to think if they start to talk about something like this, either from, Either know somebody, you might have made a mistake, or also, do people really want to deal with this? And the thing is, is, is I don't want to have to deal with anything. I just want people to learn and understand. Like I said, it's not aggressive, so I'll meet you where you are. But overall, it's been really positive because people do want to have a good environment at their shows. If you're talking about the bands themselves, they they want that the place in general to be welcoming and not to expose it, but then also. To have let people get back to having a good time. So that can happen with prevention, it can happen with the skills we talked about. But the bands do have a really, really influential voice because people listen to their idols. They listen to people, <laughs> they listen to people that they look up to. So they actually have the most influence when it comes to helping groove safe in the movement because they can stand against it. And you know, they can say hey, there's no tolerance for that at our shows learn the skills here's the problem you know like I train the bands too because they need to realize that anybody could be asked about this at any time and you want to make sure you have the right language and and the right um responses because a lot of what they call victim blaming is when people are misinformed I don't like the term but you're misinformed where your immediate response is to try to find fault in the person who experienced something bad like um what are you wearing? Were you drunk? Uh, You know, it doesn't seem that bad. It's sort of conditioned in, into us to try to find a reason why someone would hurt someone where we need to shift the perspective to say like, are you okay? What do you need? I'm sorry that happened. And then have the influence that you have as the band. But again, I think like what you asked was about how it's received and it's difficult, but it's positive because especially for people who've experienced it, it's like, oh, my God, thank God. <laughs> thank God mm-hmm. someone's saying I, could, I was too afraid to speak up or now that you guys talk about it, we can, too. And a lot of times I don't mind being the voice for it because there are people who are not ready to tell their story. And that's totally OK, too. But I think in general, it's tough, but it's it's happening. It's it's mm-hmm. changing. It's working. Um, and every single conversation I have is one towards the goal, I guess. So. And sometimes I get really, really intense things that people come at me. Oh, you're just some whoop that is funding tour for free. Like, no, not at all. I, don't, I don't like talking about this. Do you guys you know, like, it'd be great if you just fixed it. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's not fun to talk about people getting hurt. So, mm-hmm. you know, the microaggressions, it can be pretty intense too. <laughs> uh,
1: well, that's one of the the best pieces of advice that I read on your, on your platforms and that you were putting out there was, Holding your friends accountable. That's the best way we can kind of start to do this is, you know, if it's some random stranger comes up and starts confronting you, it's a little different than if your friend for 15, 20 years that you went to college with and you grew up with is like, hey, man, at the show, you did something and it was really inappropriate. I don't think you should do that again. That was a really big thing for me of thinking of like how you can approach people, how you can make this situation better. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. And again, like I'm, I'm not a guy and I don't have that the buddy. <laughs> I don't have I don't have that perspective. Um, but I think that what we said about holding each other accountable is it's I, I was thinking about two things. So one is being brave enough to bring it up, and then it's also being brave enough to receive it. So if, if somebody does tell you, hey, you kinda of acted like a jerk, try to take it. I don't, I don't know the right word, but like try to try, try to receive it with grace, you know, um, where if someone's trying to have a conversation with you about something or a mistake, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're bad and wrong, especially when it has to do with the subject. Everybody can learn. Everybody can change. And like I said, on the top, once you know something, then it's your um, kind of responsibility to make the changes. Mm-hmm. But you can't know what you don't know. And like, don't blame yourself for that. But I think that it probably is harder to have conversations with people you're closer to um, mm-hmm. because, you know, you don't want them to think that your their reactions are like you're betraying them or something. But I think that it, it does go both ways with both receiving it and giving the information, but just having these conversations. And I think start slow would be my advice. And don't go at someone hard being like this. You did this, this and this. Like just mm-hmm. be like, hey, I noticed that the past couple of shows you got like really drunk, like. You know, do you think, you know, but you can't tell them once they've been drinking and you don't want to confront them in front of other people because then the defense is, it's, it's its very hard. It's like a really hard mm-hmm. thing to do. And you can even use GrooveSafe to be like, hey, I heard about this thing. Have you heard about mm-hmm. it? Like, you don't have to come right at someone. Just bring up the conversation, just the, the topic and see their reaction. Some people I like told you they are not ready to receive this information. And I think that everybody can come around, but I would take it more as a test the waters. And I don't know if that's good advice or not, but I think that's, would be successful is to, mm-hmm. Hey, did you hear about this thing? You know, did you know that people get groped at shows all the time and I've never seen it, you know, or mm-hmm. um I think it's starting the conversation before you're holding people accountable. It's bringing up the topic, being able mm-hmm. to kind of talk about stuff that's pretty tough.
1: Mm-hmm. As we close aside from, you know, general awareness and learning and growing how can people get involved with Groove Safe? What are some options for them to get plugged in with you guys?
0: Um, well, obviously, um, like we talked about learning the skills that are for the the general, the general person who is just, you know, a nice, a nice person is just wants to go to the show and learning the skills to help your peers is really important. Um, but we are a nonprofit, so we're 501c3. Um Tax exempt, um, recognized as a charitable organization. So every dollar helps us because we are, you know, we are a nonprofit. So on our website, you can donate. That's the easiest way to help. Um, Second is getting involved with our organization in general. We do lots of shows where we need volunteers we are growing in a way where we do need you know professionals like skills, you know, if it's grant writers to someone that's really good at spreadsheets or something like there's ways that you can get involved to help us grow that are you know are more like admin based, I guess. Um, but so the, the steps would be donating, offering volunteer time in either either shows or in professional capacity. Talking to your friends about the problem, like we said before, is is having the conversation is going to be the beginning of making a difference. And follow socials. Uh, it's the at sign safe on everything. Um, Instagram is at safe underscore. But following, liking, and engaging in posts, get them seen by more people. You have to break through this algorithm. It's, it's a big challenge for me. And so I think that just really getting involved in whatever way you can and remembering that if this subject is really hard for you, that it's okay and take your time with it. But we are doing our best to like educate bands and venues and our peers, you know, like I can't wait to get back out there and not have to feel like this, you know, and thank you for everybody who has ever given me any time Lance you and, you know, Stu has been doing tons of volunteering for me and, and just, I have a lot of people doing some really great stuff. So I'm really grateful too. because it was, it was tough to get going and I'm glad that I have support because it, you know, I get tired too. It's, it's, it's hard, sure. but, but you know, groupsafe.org has pretty much everything that you need. And we're always open for emails and stuff like that. Like I welcome ideas as well as, you know, contributions because it's a new field. It's a new movement. It's a it's new territory. So you know, there's definitely things I haven't thought of that. I just welcome people to join in, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, Ashley, this was a sobering conversation, but it was incredibly enlightening. And I'm so grateful that you took the time out of your day to speak with me and bring this awareness to people. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. I'm really glad to have had the chance and good to meet you and hope that people learn something, but um, I'm, I'm happy to happy to do the work.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Yesterday's Concert. Thoughts? Similar experiences? Disagree? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. Or you can email us at info at If you're feeling kind, give us a review on Apple Podcast. Otherwise, until next time, give us a subscribe, check out our website, yesterdaysconcert.com, and most importantly, take care of your shoes.